How can two walk together unless they agree? That's actually found in Amos 3.3. And as you study and walk through the Bible, you will begin to see uh, God's plan throughout. And so we've been talking about no such thing as a bad marriage. And when I say that, a lot of people, what? I can tell you a few of them. No such thing as a bad marriage because we found out that God created marriage. It is people that have come in and have created difficulty because they don't understand really what marriage is. And so that's what we've been doing is explaining to you about marriage. And again, to all of the single folks, uh, you need to recognize that this, this message and series of messages is for you too because it ap- actually opens your eyes to the power and the joy that you have uh, in your relationships and especially with the Lord Jesus Christ. So today we want to begin a two-part in here. It's called Inviting the Holy Spirit to the Wedding, or we can say Inviting the Holy Spirit to the Marriage. Today let's discuss the spirit of marriage. Jesus had a dream. Every single morning he would walk in the cool of the morning and to talk and to relate with Adam and with Eve. We don't know how long that took place. We don't know how many years, decades, centuries, millenniums that he has done that with Adam and with Eve. But the one thing that we did know is that the love of Jesus Christ's life is us. The relationship that he has with us is everything to him. So what I want to do is explain to you in that dream that Adam sinned, and because of the sin of Adam, the gospel was preached. And the gospel was preached that Jesus would come and restore that relationship because Sin had separated man from God. And he did that. He fulfilled that. And then he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So the power of the cross has opened the blood of Jesus Christ, has opened the door for you and I to be able to not only have relationship with him, but to have relationship with one another. And the intimacy that marriage brings is the exact picture of the intimacy that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Ephesians 5 tells us that just as Christ loved the church in that relationship, so the man should love his wife. And they put those two together. So the reality that we need to understand when the proclamation was given regarding the result of Jesus going to the cross and the church being created and, and for us to have a relationship with God, he did the same thing with us for our relationships and our marriages. So that dream came true for Jesus. And what I want to do in the next couple of weeks is I want to help you understand that the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to fulfill that dream that he has regarding your marriages and your relationships. But we have to invite him into our homes. We have to invite him into our relationships. 
So we know we live in a world where traditional marriage is under attack. But related to marriage, we have to remember that God created it perfectly and that God created marriage. God calls marriage in Scripture the holy institution that he loves. So when you hear people talking negative about marriage or their own marriage, what they literally are doing is talking evil or talking negative about something that Jesus loves. And so I want to encourage you today to understand is that we have to watch what we say. We have to watch our attitude regarding our own relationships and our marriages. And I know that many of you have gone through great distress and great problems regarding relationships and marriage. And even today, uh, you are facing these difficulties and maybe because you've been at Valley, maybe because you're, you're growing in the Lord, that now your, your home is becoming this home that is, is producing this, this joy that Jesus uh, really had for the joy he went to the cross so that he would, would literally be sacrificed so that we could have this perfect marriage relationship. Well, turn to Malachi chapter 2, and let's begin to read about this, about this institution of marriage. And I know when you ever hear Malachi chapter 2, you have a tendency to think, is he going to bring tithe into the matter? No, I'm not going to be bringing that because Malachi says a lot more than just tithe, even though tithe is important. In Malachi chapter 2 verse 11, it says, Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. What is being said from Malachi, the prophetic word, is that God created marriage, and he went to Israel and said, I don't want you marrying people that serve other gods. I want you. The Bible tells us that he is a jealous God that the jealousy that is of God is one that he desires you. He wants a relationship with you. And in this reality of marriage, the marriage between Christ and the church and the marriage between you and your spouse, is that God says it is a holy institution. See, Solomon did this. He married a thousand women, wives and concubines. A lot of people say porcupines, but but there are, you know, thousands that, that he married. Many did not serve God, and they turned Solomon's life away from God. It wasn't that, God didn't, that he didn't serve God, but he turned away from the things of the Lord. Israel began to intermarry with other nations who served other gods. And the scripture we just read says, they profane the holy institution. We're talking about inviting the Holy Spirit into our marriage. And when we do that, it's two people who come in agreements together to invite the Holy Spirit in to where literally it sets you in a realm 
that the blessings and the power and the anointing of God can absolutely transform your, your marriage and make it that holy institution. But the scripture said that they profane the holy institution, which means that they were then were set apart of God. In other words, they were separated from God. So let me give you the background of God's institution called marriage. God created marriage perfectly to succeed 100% of the time when you do it God's way. The first four weeks, we've been talking to you through Ephesians 5 and told you how this works, the agreement, the unity. Last week, we finished with the unity in our marriage. But God doesn't create junk. In Genesis 1, God asked and, and said, it is very good regarding everything he created. He literally said, he looked down and he said, it is very good. Everyone say, very good. God looks down at your marriage and says, very good. Many of us look up to God and say, God, it's not good. But God's looking down and saying it's very good because he created everything when you do it God's way for it to be 100% perfect. But he looked down in creation and he said everything is good but one thing. A man was by himself. He created Adam and Eve wasn't there yet. So God created marriage. God created Eve. So the first thing I want you to see is marriage is the first institution that God ever created. And marriage is the foundation of every institution of all society. Before God created government, before God created a church, before God created anything else, God created the institution of marriage that's holy. Marriage, in conclusion, is the foundation of every society. So here's the history of the world in a nutshell. As goes marriage, as goes society. As goes marriage, as goes society. Listen to this. The first thing the devil does regarding any society is to destroy the institution of marriage in that society. Remember we talked about when Adam and Eve and, and Satan came to Eve, but Adam was there, but Satan came to Eve by herself, separating Eve from Adam, causing disagreement, causing separation. So the very first thing that he does is bringing disunity. What will destroy a church is disunity. What has destroyed churches is disunity. God doesn't create junk. So when he comes in and he wants to destroy marriage, 
He brings about the things that we see in marriage today. But here's the good news. Listen very closely. You got to hear this because some of you might be saying, well, the most important institution is not marriage. It's, it's the relationship between God and man. Well, God created God and man to be in unity, but Adam sinned and made a choice to be separated. So when God rebuilds a society, he does it two ways. This is how he does it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is number one. Jesus Christ, your relationship with him is number one. And when you understand that relationship with Christ, then you're not running around looking for disunity. You're not running around looking for the problems that other people have. You are literally becoming one with Christ. We sit in heavenly places with him, the word tells us. And then he rebuilds marriage. The number one thing people need is Jesus, and the number two thing people need is family. So when I begin to detail marriage, I want you to understand the number one priority is your relationship with Jesus. That's why we have discipleship. That's why we do what we do, to help you understand not to run your life. It's not up to me to run your life. It's up to me as, quote, a gift from God, a pastor, to equip you for the work of your ministry. How do I equip you? How to relate with God. What Scripture says, to give you ability to begin to study yourself, to begin to grow yourself in the Lord. Get in the Word of God. So the old adage in today's society is God and family. And that's truth. Again, the number one thing people need is Jesus, and number two thing people need is family. And when we move into this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, some of you begin to sweat. Some of you begin to hurt. And if I was in the midst of what you have experienced, I would be sweating and hurting too. Because when there's disunity, there's all evil work, the Bible says. There is an all-out attack on marriage, and you hear people, they're bitter about marriage. They're talking about the institution that God loves, which marriage is perfect, and you need to understand they're hurting. Have compassion for them, but don't allow those words to destroy you. I can remember when my wife and I... Uh, we're, we're dating, and, and then we got engaged. The moment we got engaged, we had church people here at Valley Community Church. We had church people coming to us and warn us what marriage really is. It kind of broke my heart. I'm going, what? And, and they're, they're, well, yeah, you know, you just got to know and, and all the different things. And I thought to myself, man, these people... They just don't know what it is. Because, you know, I mean, when you're young and I'm looking at that beautiful girl and, and I'm just saying, <laughs> marriage is perfect. And I didn't know all what I was teaching you. 
But I understand now that it caused me to question, caused me to question about relationships. So the second thing is marriage works by using God's plan that is found in the Word. Marriage works by using God's plan that is found in the Word of God. Let me give you a statistic now, just to show you how the enemy has been working. In 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. 83% of adult Americans were married. Today, 49.7% of adult Americans are married. The question is, what is the difference between 1930 and today? And I'm going to be very frank, and I, and I live in today. People believed the Bible in 1930. In 1930, we had a society that was based on the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the 60s, when I went to school, how many of you, you know, you're close to my age, but in the 1960s, I went to school and the Ten Commandments were hung on the walls. And when I went to school, you got in, you got in your classroom, and all of a sudden the, the bell would go off, and then either the principal, the vice principal, or, or one of the leaders in the office got on there, and we had prayer over the loudspeakers. Now, our society is ashamed of Jesus and what the Word says. It's not a coincidence, church, that to the degree that we have rejected or resisted the word of God, marriage does not work in our society. To the degree, and you find another statistic, I didn't put that in your notes, but another statistic is this, is that only 52% believe that the Bible is, is God's word in America. 47.7% of people that are married. I submit to you, our society must go back to the word of God and make the word the foundation of our lives and our marriage. I submit to you that we must be a people that says, no longer am I going to listen to the junk, to the, the hey, I, I know a lot of Christian psychologists, psychiatrists, and they're awesome. I've worked with them uh, I've sent people to them, and I'm, I'm there. That's why we're even having our classes uh, that we will hugely push in December for January and to help you with areas of your life. But the reality is, is that we are listening too much to self-help books that do not bring the Word of God into it. And we are sold a bill of goods that's destroying the home. Let me now give you marriage mathematics. Two plus one equals one. Two people who invite the Holy Spirit in their marriage become one. Why? Because the Holy Spirit binds us together into the deepest intimacy a marriage can have. Sexual intercourse is not the deepest intimacy, even though it's good, 
even though God said it's very good. The reality of your relationship with the Holy Spirit who teaches you about Christ, who tells you of the love of the Father through his actions and the power of his blood. But the reality is, is two plus one equals one. How can two walk together unless they agree? So let me give you the other marriage math. Two minus one equals two. Why? Well, here's the answer. Two people who reject the Holy Spirit remain divided. With no unity, with no unity, the, what happens is you become two. Two visions, two lives, that are not blended into one. And we learned that from Ephesians 5, that marriage is three. The wife, the husband, and God. God is at the apex, and we're here. But we come in agreement because we come in agreement with what God says, with what his word says. Now, the Holy Spirit was given to us from Jesus. You cannot enjoy intimacy and fulfillment in marriage until you invite the Holy Spirit in your marriage. Now, I'm just going to be pretty straight with you. You can have all the, all the sex you want, but it's not going to bring you fulfillment. In many instances, it will bring you pain. It will bring you hurt. By inviting the Holy Spirit into your relationships, it will bring the fullness of Christ in your life. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us and meets our deepest needs that no one else can meet. No one else can meet. Remember that Jesus came to a woman at the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, Jesus said that she had five husbands and is at that time living with another person. And the Jewish people really had nothing to do with Samaria, but because of the love of Christ, because of the work of Christ, he loved everyone. And he has compassion and his grace can move towards everyone. But Jesus walked up to her and said, Lady, if you keep drinking from that well, you will remain thirsty. You'll have to go back to it every day and get more water. But then he says, but if you know the gift of God and knew who you were talking to, this was Jesus, if you ask me for a drink, you will never thirst again. Jesus was not talking about the well, but telling her she will never get her soul thirst taken care of from a man. He said, you've had five husbands and now you're living with another man and here you are, you're constantly thirsty. But he says, I want you to understand if you will ask me for a drink, I will fulfill the intimacy that you are looking for. That soul thirst that you have. Your deepest needs cannot be met by a human being. You have to understand this. 
Your spouse cannot meet your deepest need. Only Christ can. And it's the Holy Spirit, the gift from Christ that is given to you, the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that will help you and fulfill your needs. Let me just tell you, what are your four basic needs? All right? What are your four basic needs? Are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Only God can meet your four basic needs. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. When God is not meeting those needs, we naturally, listen to this, transfer the expectations of those needs to our spouse, and we set our marriage up for failure. We set it up for failure. Because they can't do it. No matter how great your husband is, no matter how wonderful your wife is, they cannot meet those needs. If you are expecting them to meet those needs, you will have failure. So let me say it this way. I'm a good Gary, but a bad Jesus. Terry's a good Terry, but a bad Jesus. Terry's and my marriage got better and better as we learned how to depend on God's life and who he is, inviting the Holy Spirit in everything. The Samaritan woman was married five times and living with another guy, and she was cynical, beaten up. I'm not talking physically, I'm talking emotionally. Kind of like our society today, huh? We find people that, that will spend, in America, billions of dollars on medicines and counseling and hoping that a psychologist or a pill will fulfill the four basic needs. And they cannot. Now, do they help? Absolutely. That's like taking medicine. You got a headache, you take an Advil, guess what? You, the headache goes away. Right? But it just deaden the pain. If there's a problem, it's not going to heal the problem. It will deaden the pain so you don't feel what the problem is causing. But if you will go to Jesus Christ, if you will invite the Holy Spirit into your relationship, if you will invite the Word of God into your relationship, you will then begin to see the power of God changing things. And some of you are saying, yeah, but I've married someone who's not a believer. I know. But what about you? What are you doing for you? What are you doing for your walk with God? Are you in agreement with the Word of God, or are you matching being pulled away from the things of the Lord? 
two things that people don't like people to talk about from this platform or any other church's platform is marriage and the Holy Spirit, and I get to talk about both. Because why? We resist the devil, and that's right. The Bible says he will flee. But when you get uncomfortable, sometimes your uncomfortableness is the Holy Spirit coming in and bringing correction and trying to teach you something, trying to help you so the future. You may have made a wrong choice. You may have done, but I'm telling you what, God can heal. God can restore your home. God can do this. He can make it right because marriage is perfect. And we've talked about how even, you know, the, the chaste life as a woman, just loving God and how you answer, and the men, the same thing, is that the things that you do is to help her become everything that she is. When you begin to do that as an individual, what happens is the Bible says that your spouse will be drawn to who you are first, and then when they get close and intimate with you, they will meet Jesus. But we want to run, don't we? Because we want to resist anything that's uncomfortable. And what I'm saying to you, church, that the church is being tested by God in the past year. The church has announced their disagreement on things when God is doing it. Prophetically, God has spoken regarding leadership in our country, regarding many different things in our country all around the world, from all different nations, prophesying over this nation, and God is doing the work, and even the church is resisting what God is doing. But here, as your pastor, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your beautiful apartment that you live in. I'm talking about the place where you were. I'm talking about your life, what God will do. He'll transform. He'll change it if you invite the Holy Spirit. Now, we've already done a series on the Holy Spirit, but the reality is when you get to a place of realizing, you know who the Holy Spirit is? He's the answer that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. He's always there. He's talking to you. He's, he's listening to you. Many people pray like this when God's in you, if you're born again. And he's there to help you. But a lot of times that uncomfortableness of do, that you're feeling like you need to do something, but you know, oh, I can't do that. I ain't going to do that. No way. I, ain't I got hurt before. I'm not going to do that. But God's saying, do it. Forgive. Get rid of the bitterness. So your spirit is whole, but it's your flesh that wants to just eat someone alive. And that's what Jesus was talking about with a Samaritan woman. But Jesus, watch this, what Jesus does. Jesus went right to the root of her marriage problem. He said, if you would just ask me, I would give you a drink and it would meet your soul thirst and you will never be thirsty again. Everyone's looking for a soulmate. You know who that is? The Holy Spirit. I hear it all the time, and I just like, I cringe. 
You're going, you're cruising for a bruising. <laughs> you're making decisions to find the soulmate. They can't meet your four basic needs. Matter of fact, remember, the, was it the four uh, food things that you're supposed to eat? They said it like in the 70s or whatever, 60s. And they changed that, didn't they? Man doesn't know. They know a lot, but they don't know everything. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows your past, your present, and your future. So we are not created and or designed to get our deepest need met from each other. We are designed to love God first, and the overflow of God's love is to love each other. That's what God's Word says, that we are to love one another. What I want you to understand is this. In our marriage with the Holy Spirit, we are able to build functional, joyous, fulfilling relationships. The third thing I want you to see about inviting the Holy Spirit into your life, your marriage. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love and relate beyond our human capacity. How many of you church have, have sensed this before? That you've got into a church service and, and you're talking with people and, hey, how you doing? And all of a sudden it's just like this, this emotion, this feeling overwhelms you just the worship time, whatever it is, and the Word, and, and, and God is speaking to you, and you just say, wow, man, things can't get better. But then you go home and you find out that you're still facing stuff in your life. But at church, you're feeling this emotion. And that's what I'm telling you about, that when you relate with God correctly, Holy Spirit helps you with that, you will love and relate with one another beyond your human capacity. Some people say, I can't love, I got hurt too much. I was abused. You know what? And that is awful. Those things should never happen. But the reality is, let me tell you, you can invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Invite the Holy Spirit into your relationships, and you can love beyond your human capacity because your human capacity has been damaged. It's been hurt. And, and you know, when, when I say things like that in, in, in marriage conferences, stuff like that, some people, you'll see them, they'll cross their arms, they'll go, yeah, right. And I'm explaining everything to them, but they'll go to a doctor, and they'll say, doctor, I just, I just feel this, I'm feeling that, I'm, well, what's going on? Well, I've, I've had some problems, and my, I got abused, and all, here, take this pill. okay. And they swallow it. Well, what's in that pill? I don't care. Doc said, take it. I'll feel better. And we have the opioid, you know, where thousands and thousands of people are dying because of drugs. And, and the reality is, is if, well, what's it? I don't know. Doc said it's good. Okay. Well, he's a doctor. Well, how about the Holy Spirit telling you that you're amazing? It doesn't matter that you have, have done what you did in your past. Just ask for forgiveness. Boom, immediately it's done. And he shows you Jesus. 
1 John 4.16 says, we're almost done here. And when we have known and believed the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Let me just tell you something about love. And in the bookstore we have where I did the whole series on love. Love isn't something, it is someone. Love is a person and he is God. God is love. Now there's a cheap human love. Some people say you can find a dime a dozen. They tell you they love you, then they leave you. And then they write country songs about it. <laughs> human love is predatorial, it's plastic, and it's easy come, easy go. God's love is a love that never leaves. It's a love that will fulfill your dreams. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says it and he means it. And Jesus Christ fulfilled it by his promise. You know that's covenant language? Day one, God says that entering into relationship with you, he doesn't see how you act toward him God is all in. Let me just tell you, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, anything in that area, God is all in for you. God will chase you down. And guess what? He does, but it makes us uncomfortable, so we resist it. He chases you down. He's always there especially if you have received him as Lord and Savior. And today, if you have not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today is a day. What you do, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord. Galatians 5.22 speaks of the Holy Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Nothing can beat it. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So let me give you an explanation here. Love comes in from the outside of us. We don't have love. I'll say that again. Love comes in from outside of us. We don't have love. We do not have the capacity to love without God or apart from God without Jesus. You do not have the capacity to love until you receive Jesus Christ and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Then you have the fullness of the capacity of God in you to love, to forgive to be together, to be in unity, to love one another. Remember the beginning of this series? We spoke of how God came and warned Adam not to eat the fruit of that particular tree, for if you do, you will die. Let me say this. When God created Adam, he breathed into his nostrils, the Bible says, a breath of life. Church, that was not oxygen he breathed in. That was the Holy Spirit. 
Because in the beginning, the Holy Spirit was there. Watch this. How do I know that? It's because the day Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they still had oxygen. It was the Holy Spirit that departed from them. They died spiritually that day. That was Genesis chapter 3. And look at Genesis 6. Genesis 6, verse 5 and 6 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. That's what happens when we don't have the Holy Spirit. Being created by God, we cannot function properly without the Holy Spirit. When God created Adam and Eve, and when he created marriage, he created all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He never intended us to be humanistic. God never intended marriage to be dependent on us and our abilities. When you allow the Holy Spirit to fill your marriage, you will succeed 100% of the time. Some of you have battled. Some of you have been in the midst of situations. Some of you have been rejected. And your spouse have gone and you, they've had affairs or they've just left you. Or, and you've had to make decisions to, to back away and to even divorce because of the actions of the other persons. That's not not walking in love. What it is that you are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, if you are married today, if you are single today, invite the Holy Spirit to heal you. The intimacy that you crave, the soulmate that you crave is not in a human. It is in the Holy Spirit. And because it's of the Holy Spirit, your intimacy with your spouse, your intimacy that is right intimacy with friends will take place and you will be 100% fulfilled in your life wherever you're at today. See, my wife didn't marry someone perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all didn't hear it, but I need to tell you what she said. She said close to it. <laughs> she doesn't know me that well. But anyways, when you will allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He does so much. You can get the CDs. On when we taught on the Holy Spirit. You can go to OSL when we teach on the Holy Spirit. The depth of what he does. But here's the focus. He's going to show you Jesus. Jesus shows you the Father. Completely makes you whole. So a whole person can love another whole person. And when you live in intimacy with God, you live above your human ability to be intimate with your spouse. And I'm not just talking about sex. In every area of your life. God will do that because marriage was God's plan. But his plan was that you invite the Holy Spirit into your marriage. Let's all stand.